Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Praise God. Thank you so much. Good to be with you in the service this morning. Go ahead and be seated. This is not my normal procedure, the first service. <laughs> I've told people um, I've been there and done that. Hallelujah. Not only that, uh, usually my voice is a little stronger a little later in the morning. So, um, but I had the Lord specifically tell me to do both services this morning in preparation for our next week's service. As many of you know, uh, Carol and I just returned from our annual vacation. We usually leave on Christmas Day or the day after, and, and we've been going to Hawaii now since 1972. I tell people over there where I preach, usually, I didn't preach this year, but usually I start my year preaching in Honolulu. I didn't this year because I, since the Lord told me, just relax, just rest. You preach everywhere all over the world all year long, then you come over here and start all over again. Just relax. I want to talk to you. And so uh, I didn't preach there this year, but usually when I do, I tell the people, I'm more Hawaiian than most of you. (laughs) Because some of you weren't even born when I first started coming over here. And I like to tell them also, during the millennium, I will be the governor of the Hawaiian Islands. <laughs> so I invite all of you to come and visit me when you can, okay? This particular year, just before we left, I had a conversation with Brother Copeland. He called me and uh, he said, Jerry, I've recognized years ago, and I said it publicly in a meeting, one of the believers' conventions. He said, I recognized years ago that God had moved you into a new office of ministry. And he said, uh, if you remember, I, I said to you by the Spirit of God that you had moved into the office of the seer and that God will begin to show you things in the Spirit, things to come. And he'll hold you responsible for sharing them with the body of Christ everywhere he sends you. And he said, you remember that service? I said, oh yes. In fact, I keep it right in this notebook all the time. I read it before I go into services. And um, he said, but the Lord spoke to me a few days ago in prayer. And he said, but I have never laid my hands on you and, and in a public setting And officially set you apart in that ministry. And he said, I'm going to do it in 2020. And so uh, he said, not only that, but God has said to me that he's also uh, moved you into another dimension of ministry. And that is the ministry of the apostle. And he said, and when I lay hands on you, I'm going to publicly set you apart like Kenneth Hagin did him. Uh, many years ago, and I was in that service and Brother Hagin did it. He said, so I'm going to officially lay hands on you and set you apart in those two ministries because it has everything to do with your future. And so when I left to go on vacation, I had that on my mind. And uh, knowing that that, uh, we were going to have this special service on the 19th, Uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night that Justin just mentioned. 
I felt like all of this came together and, and had uh, an importance for me to share some things with you as the founder of this church. And um, so I'm going to talk about those things this morning, and it's in preparation for next week's service. And I want to encourage you to make your plans, if at all possible, to be here next Sunday and Sunday night. We don't have, or I haven't done many Sunday night services here. Justin has from time to time, I believe. But I haven't done many Sunday night services here. And so I wouldn't call this if I didn't believe it was God. So 6 o'clock Sunday night, next Sunday night, be here if at all possible. Not only that, I'm going to talk about some, continue talking about some things that we will begin this morning. But not only that, I'm going to give you, as they say with the president, a State of the Union address. I'm going to give you the State of the Ministry address. Where we're headed as a ministry, as a church. Hallelujah. And I will approve this message. Hallelujah. So with that in mind, and and let me begin by sharing with you a few things about Kenneth Hagin. I'm finding now that uh, a lot of people where I preach all over the world, they don't know who Kenneth Hagin was. A lot of people are new. How many of you are familiar with the ministry of Kenneth Hagin? Okay, how many of you actually sit in a meeting where he preached and received from him? And I'm not talking about you've listened to uh, a, a CD recently or something, or but you were actually in a meeting where Kenneth Hagin spoke. Okay, Kenneth Hagin was one of my mentors, along with Kenneth Copeland, Oral Roberts, and T.L. Osborne. I'm also finding that a lot of people where I go now have never even heard of Oral Roberts. That's shocking to me. Because Oral Roberts was one of the premier healing evangelists of the 20th century. I heard the call of God watching Oral Roberts on television when I was a young boy, 11 years old, 1957, in my grandmother's home in Oklahoma City. Joe was there. All of our family was there, family reunion. And I heard the call of God watching him on television. And I didn't, I didn't know who Oral Roberts was at that time. Uh, there were some of my relatives who knew who he was because he was based in Oklahoma. That's where my grandparents lived. And, um, but I'd never heard of him before. But uh, someone turned on my grandmother's old black and white Philco television set while we were all uh, standing around and having lunch together. My grandmother's home was very small. I don't know how in the world all of us got in there, but we did. We managed to get in there and and certainly didn't have room at the table or the kitchen to all of us to eat. We we were all over the house and some of them outside on the front porch and, you know, and, and uh, Donnie, one of my cousins and Joe and I, we had got our plate of food, walked in the living room and was standing there when someone turned the television set on. How many of you remember black and white television, you know, no color television back then. And it didn't come on immediately. It took a little while for the picture to come on and somebody turned it on. And as soon as it came on, it was Oral Roberts preaching under the big tent in one of his healing crusades. And uh, he was preaching, which became one of his most famous tent sermons called the fourth man. 
powerful, powerful message. If you've never listened to it, I encourage you to do so. He describes Jesus in every book of the Bible as the fourth man and uh, taken from the book of Daniel. I was captivated by it as a young boy. And I heard, it wasn't an audible voice because nobody else heard it. But I heard in my spirit, and of course I didn't know anything about spirit, soul, and body back then, you know. But I heard these words. Someday you'll preach like that. Someday you'll pray for people like that. And uh, I thought it was Job talking to me. When I turned, Job was gone. I looked to the other side and I thought it was Donnie. Donnie was gone. I was standing there by myself. And I thought, who said that? Well, I had to believe that it must have been God. But I never told anybody. Because as you've heard me say in the past, uh, that's not what I wanted to do. My plans were not to preach. My plans were to race automobiles. I was going to restore classic cars build hot rods and race automobiles just like my daddy did. I grew up on racetracks and um, God was fouling up my plans. So as an 11 year old boy, I never told anybody about it because I thought if I ever, if I ever voice this, if I ever tell anybody about this experience, then I'll have to do it. But if I don't tell anybody, God will realize he made a mistake And he'll find somebody that really wants to do that. So I never told a soul. Not my parents. Not anybody. And, uh, you know, we we grew up in a little Baptist church down at the end of our road. We we lived in the country. And it's a little Baptist church down at the end of our road. And I grew up in that little church. And uh, uh, I've always believed in Jesus. I've always believed what the preacher said, that he he was born. He, he, He had this awesome ministry. He died. He was raised from the dead. I believed he was coming back. But you can believe all that and never make him the Lord of your life. You know? And at that point, even though I'd had experiences as a young boy uh, with the Lord, uh, you know, it it didn't last because I didn't pursue it. And, uh, but it wasn't that I was born a heathen. Well, I was born a heathen just like you were. But I had experiences with God. And it wasn't that God was foreign to me, but I just didn't want to, I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to live my life that way. And uh, so anyway, it wasn't until 1969 after Carolyn and I had been married for three years and I was doing exactly what I dreamed of doing. I owned my own automotive business. I was restoring classic cars. I was building hot rods with my dad, hauling them all over the Southern part of the United States and Carolyn's praying and knowing that that's not what I was supposed to do. And uh, uh, I'd never told her about that experience that I had watching Oral Roberts. I was not about to tell her about that because that would have been leverage, you know. <laughs> and she, she would have brought up to me frequently, yeah, but you remember at 11 years old, that experience you had? I didn't want her to know about that. But finally, when Kenneth Copeland came in 1969, I couldn't run anymore. And then he introduced me to the ministry of Kenneth Hagin. He said that he learned a lot about faith from Kenneth Hagin. He had worked with Oral Roberts. He was co-pilot on Oral Roberts' airplane. So this was all coming together. It's amazing to me how God can orchestrate a life. 
You know, it, it wasn't a coincidence that when Carolyn begged me to go hear Kenneth Copeland for the first time, and I didn't want to go. I didn't like being in church because if I got under conviction, then I knew I'd have to preach. And I knew I wouldn't be under conviction at the paint and body shop. Okay. But in church, oh, I got uncomfortable in church. Sometimes I just walk out, you know. And, and if it got to be, and I didn't know anything about the anointing, but if it got to where it was hitting me, I'd duck behind the, the chair in front of me, you know, so it wouldn't hit me and get the guy behind me, you know. And uh, uh, so Kenneth Copeland introduced me to the ministry of Kenneth Hagin. And I, I think it's really unique how that when she begged me to go hear Kenneth Copeland that first night, I remembered Kenneth Copeland as a rock and roll singer before he went into the ministry. I wasn't sure it was the same man, but I knew that there was a man named Kenneth Copeland who had a hit record on the radio back in 1957 that was called The Pledge of Love. And I said, well, I know who that is. She said, how would you know Kenneth Copeland? You don't go to church. I said, well, there was a Kenneth Copeland back in 1957, had a hit record called The Pledge of Love. I even sung the, the lines to her. I remembered all those songs back then. And I started singing it to her. She said, it's not the same man. I said, well, how do you know? If you ask him, she said, I've never talked to the man. I've never met the man. I just know it's not the same man. Well, in the service that night, 15 minutes into his service, he just stopped and said, I don't know why I'm saying this. It has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon. But I guess somebody in here needs to hear this. Back in 1957, I had a hit record on the radio called The Pledge of Love. I was headed for rock and roll stardom. God used that to get my attention. Because I wasn't paying any attention to him the first 15 minutes. I was ready to leave. And I told Carolyn before I went to the service. The moment I don't like him, I'm going to get up and leave. And you get home the best way you can. That's exactly what I told her. She said, okay, if that's what it takes to get you there. And so I was, I was prepared not to like him. And I was going to get up and leave in the next few moments. But God knew that. Isn't God smart? And so Kenneth Copeland just stops right in the middle of his sermon and says, I had this hit record in 57. And that's what got my attention. It wasn't the preaching that got my attention. It was him making that remark. And now I'm right out on the edge of my chair listening to everything he said. And that night when I went home, I didn't go forward in the service. But when I got home, I couldn't sleep. I got up in the middle of the night, walked in the living room, three o'clock in the morning, lifted my hands. I said, God, I don't know why you still want me. I've been running from you all my life. But if you do, here I am. And I was gloriously saved, immediately baptized in the Holy Spirit. Spoke in other tongues for three hours before I could quit. And it was just a, just a special presence of God that came in that living room. And then I told Carolyn, I'm through running. Told her about the experience I had. I said, I'm getting out of the automotive business. I'm going into the ministry. Well, Kenneth, Huggin, Kenneth Copeland, rather. It's the first one I'd ever heard talk about the word of faith. So he became a mentor, even though I didn't know him. You can be mentored by people that you don't even know, you know. And so back then it was reel-to-reel tapes. 
And I got all those reel-to-reel tapes I could get my hands on. Listen to them day and night. I'd shut my business down, uh, use my guest bedroom as my study, and I'd listen to those messages day and night. And, and through listening to them, he kept talking about Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin taught me this. I learned from Kenneth Hagin this. And come to find out that Kenneth Hagin was considered to be the apostle of faith in the 20th century. Uh, a lot of people referred to him as the father of the faith movement. It's not a movement, but that's what a lot of people said in Christian circles. He, he was the father of the faith movement. And uh, so as soon as I had an opportunity, I started going to Kenneth Hagin meetings. And of course, remembering the effect that Oral Roberts had on my life as a young boy, I started getting my hands on everything Oral Roberts taught, the books and, and the messages and so forth. So these three men became my mentors. Now, years later, let's, let's fast forward to 1991. 1969 was the year I surrendered my life to the Lord. So now it's 1991, okay? And uh, I'm in this meeting in Fort Worth, Believer's Convention. And, and Brother Copeland says, uh, God's called you into the office of the seer. And then he expound upon that. And then shortly after that, I was in Riverside, California, in Kenneth Hagin's meeting. And Brother Hagin called me up and spoke to me basically the same words, just a little bit different wording. And he said, and it's time for you to move into this and move out with it. And then shortly after that, Oral Roberts came to the Believers' Convention in Anaheim, California, and said to me after the service, as soon as I get home, I'm going to write you a letter and tell you what I heard and what I saw while you preached tonight. So when I got back home, I received a handwritten four-page letter from Oral Roberts describing the ministry that he believed God had called me into. So all three of my mentors saw it at the same time within a couple of months of each other. And from that moment, I began to pursue uh, that anointing and to flow in that office of ministry. Now, I'm real hesitant. I'm just the kind of person, I'm real hesitant to go around and call myself a prophet. Okay? Because there's so many self-appointed prophets. I've heard some squirrely things. In 50 years, you can hear a lot of squirrely things. <clears throat> Am I right, Pastor? <clears throat> you know, people who want to be a prophet. And I like to say they're nothing but a loss, you know, but, you know, prophet and loss. Um, just a little humor there, not much, but a little bit. You'll wake up tonight saying, hey, that was funny. I'll start, I'll start laughing now. But uh, I'm a little hesitant to go around and, you know, just call myself a prophet. Even though I know that that office of ministry is an office that I function in. That's one of the reasons why the Lord gives me a prophetic word every year that I am to emphasize everywhere I go and just keep building on it until the Lord says differently. And so some of you have been here long enough where you've heard me give a prophetic word each and every year that God wants us to emphasize. 
Sometimes it goes on into the next year. But a lot of times it, 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 it changes. And, uh, and, and I, I never know when it's coming other than I do set aside some time during the month of October to specifically get before the Lord and to see what he has on his agenda for the coming new year. And usually it's happened during that time, either the first week or so of October. But sometimes it's happened while I'm flying somewhere. Sometimes it happens when, I, when I'm in my hotel room in preparation for a service somewhere. And, uh, but nevertheless, I'm not the one who dictates when it comes. Okay? And I don't sit around just trying to come up with something clever. I don't, I, I have more respect for the Lord and respect for the respect that I have as a minister all over the world. And I'm not going to just come up with something just because everybody else does. And boy, that seems to be something that's taking place right now. I've heard people all of a sudden have a word from the Lord who's never had a word from the Lord in their lives. Coming up with the prophetic word. I was watching on YouTube while I was walking down the beach this past week. All these prophetic words, all these prophetic words. And I'm not saying they're not all accurate, but some of them aren't. Don't just listen to any voice. Make sure it's a proven voice. Amen. I don't just open myself up to anybody. Am I making sense to you? Yes, sir. Make sure it's a proven voice. If Kenneth Hagin stood up and said, thus saith the Lord, as Brother Copeland used to say, these catchers on the side of my head, <laughs> you know, I, I listen very closely to what the man's about to say. Okay. And uh, if Kenneth Copeland stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, this is what the Lord showed me about the coming new year. These catchers... <laughs> <laughs> they, they listen very closely. And then I take what I just heard and run with it. Yes, sir. Why? Because I want it to come to pass in my life. Amen. 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 I, I've heard people say, well, brother Jerry, I heard this prophet, uh, tell, talk about doom and gloom is coming. And then this other prophet, he talked about, you know, good times are coming and great things are in store. Which one's right? Well, they both could be right. Just depends on what camp you're in. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Come on. I'm not in that doom and gloom Come on. camp. Hallelujah. Right. Glory to God. Amen. And I believe the closer we get to the appearing of the Lord, oh, God's got some great things in store for those who follow him and those who won't compromise and those who won't turn back and those who won't live backslidden Christian lives and those who won't straddle the fence. God's got some good things in our future. Hallelujah. And you say, amen. Praise God. So with all that in mind, I was, I was, uh, as I normally do, when I go on vacation in Hawaii, I have, a, I have a path that I have walked all these years, every morning. I get up between 5.30 and 6 o'clock before Carolyn even wakes, and I'm out the door, no later than 6 o'clock. 
and I'm walked that path. And it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good distance. And I pray in the spirit and I just listen to the Lord and I take a, a little notebook with me and I write down the things that he says. And while I was walking this year, starting on December the 27th, as we got there on the 26th, on December the 27th, I began my routine walk. And I was impressed to the Lord to listen to several messages from Kenneth Hagin from years back, but especially one about the gifts of the Spirit concerning the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. And I listened to it every morning. I'd I'd walk that path, then I'd walk back. And by the time I got back, I'd already listened to it. And then I'd start it all over again the next day. And I did that for several days. And when I'd get back to the room, then Carolyn would be up and ready, and we'd go for breakfast and so forth. But uh, I I was inspired again by these messages by Kenneth Hagin. Now, once again, let me, let me just say something about Kenneth Hagin uh, in case there are those of you in here that are not real familiar with his ministry. Once again, he was referred to as the founder or the, uh, the, uh, the apostle of the Word of Faith movement in the 20th century. Mark eleven twenty three and 24 were the scriptures that he spoke about most frequently. Uh, it's hardly a sermon that you heard Kenneth Hagin preach that Mark eleven twenty three and 24 were not mentioned. He was 86 years old when he went home to be with the Lord on September the 19th, 2003. I was, I was uh, in Texarkana preaching when I heard about it. In fact, somebody walked up to the platform and whispered in my ear, Brother Hagin just went home to be with the Lord. Well, as soon as I got out of that service, I flew straight to Tulsa to be with the family. And, uh, and I was there at his home going and so forth. Because over the years, I had uh, developed a relationship with Brother Hagin. I preached with him many times. And I, I thought highly of him, respected him. And he was one of my mentors, as I said. Brother Hagin used to say quite often, based on Psalm 91... He said, the Lord promised us that with long life, he will satisfy us. Brother Hagin would say frequently, if you ever hear I'm gone, it's because I got satisfied. Well, when somebody came up and whispered in my ear, Brother Hagin just went home to be with the Lord. I smiled, even though I knew I was going to miss him greatly. I smiled because I couldn't help but remember what he always said. I got satisfied. That's the way to go home, isn't it? When you're satisfied. Amen. Praise God. In fact, as I was told, he was sitting at the table with his wife and just kind of closed his eyes and slumped his head and checked out. Hallelujah. That's a great way to go, isn't it? Amen. He uh, functioned primarily in the offices of the teacher and the prophet and was well known for his accuracy in hearing from the Holy Spirit. He laid hands on me and Carolyn numerous times over the years, but once again in 1991 in Riverside, California, was a very specific time when he 
called me up to the front and said, Brother Jerry, God's moving you into a new dimension of ministry. And he talked about it was time that I began to, to pursue it and go wholeheartedly into it and don't turn back. He said, move into it and move out with it and move on up. And, uh, Later after that service, I asked him, I said, Brother Hagin, do you or can you tell me specifically what you were talking about? He said, yes. He said, uh, it's the spirit of seeing and knowing. It's the spirit of seeing and knowing. He said, you'll know things in the spirit. You'll see things in the spirit. And then God wants you to tell what you see to the body of Christ everywhere he sends you. So that's, that's basically the same thing Brother Copeland had said just a month before, that God's called you into the office of the seer. So once again, <clears throat> Brother Hagan confirmed that. He laid hands on me in that service and, and uh, spoke those words over me. And then since that time, I've endeavored to operate in that. Now, I don't always operate in it here in this church. But that's not to say I don't operate in it. Come on. Okay? It doesn't function in me everywhere or, or all the time in a public setting, but it does in my prayer time all the time. I hear things, I see things. Joe has traveled with me. 38 years, almost 40 years, he can verify this. That a lot of times going into the service, before I go into the service, I'll see the whole service like on a monitor in my room. It's it's just like a, a television screen set up in my room. And I'll see the entire service, exactly what I'm going to do when I go in there. I just go in there and reenact what I saw. That doesn't happen everywhere I go. But many times it has. I remember back in uh, the early 80s, late 70s actually, about 79. I was invited to come and speak in a conference in Chicago. And uh, Billy Brim, who at that time was Kenneth Hagin's secretary, and she edited his books and so forth. And and, uh, I had known Billy just a short time, but I knew who she was and... And, and knew what her job was at Kenneth Hagin's ministry. And she'd been invited to come and speak as well in this conference. <clears throat> so Billy and I got to spend some time together, you know, uh, over lunch or something and with the pastor that had coordinated this meeting. And so we would, the pastor would come pick us up at the hotel and, uh, and we would ride together over to the service. And we'd pray in the spirit together all the way over there. And one night when they turned the service over to me, I had, I had had that experience in the hotel about seeing that entire service before I ever got there, seeing it in the spirit. And the Lord said, just go in, reenact what you saw in the spirit. So when I got over there and he turned the service over to me, uh, I didn't see myself preaching in that service. I walked up to the podium, <clears throat> had my Bible and my notebook, and then I started flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, particularly the word of knowledge. And I started calling people out. 
And it was so accurate. I mean, it was phenomenal. I remember one specific situation where I said, there's a woman in here who has some children that you have been wanting to get out of public school and put into a Christian school and you didn't have all the money to get all of your children in. In fact, you're lacking $186.76. Would you come up here? The woman came up there just crying and, and the pastor knew her. She was a member of his church. She come up there crying and I said, I saw this in the spirit before I ever come over here and I have in my pocket $186.76 to give you. Well, then it just started flowing. I mean, uh, it, it was amazing. And uh, Billy said to me afterwards, she said, Brother Jerry, I haven't seen anybody flow in that other than Brother Hagen. She said, I was just astounded at the accuracy. And, uh, and then it started happening nearly everywhere I went. And then I stopped. And the reason being is because I had heard of people yielding to a familiar spirit. And I didn't want that to happen. And I'll be honest with you, I got afraid that I'd open myself up to a familiar spirit. And so I backed off. That's the reason later Kenneth Hagin said, Brother Jerry, it's time for you to move in this, move out with it, and move on up. And I knew exactly what he's talking about because I had backed off. And Brother Copeland and I, we'd flow in it quite often after that. We'd flow in it at the Believers Conventions here in Fort Worth. I remember one, one convention, uh, Brother Copeland had just got through preaching, called me up, said, come on up here, Jerry, and just obey the Lord. And we were flowing in, in the word of knowledge and so forth. And I said, there's someone in here. You have a brother who's a mechanic and he's dying of a, a heart disease. Come up here and the Lord told me that Brother Cobra and I will lay hands on you. And you'll stand in proxy for your brother and he'll be healed. And nobody moved. Now we got, what, seven, eight thousand people in there and no... Nobody moved. And so, you know, the devil starts saying, well, you missed it this time. You mean that happens to you, Brother Jerry? Well, of course, I'm human. You know. And, and so I'm standing up there, Brother Copeland's standing up there, and it's all silence. Oh, silence is not golden sometimes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so... It looks like I have missed this a hundred miles, you know. And, and I said, did you hear what I said? There's someone in here who has a brother who is a mechanic. And he's uh, dying of heart disease. And if you'll come up here and let Brother Copeland and I lay hands on you, God is going to heal your brother's heart. And nobody moved. And finally, Brother Copeland said... He's a card dealer in Las Vegas. I thought, hmm, card dealer, mechanic. Hey, that's what they call card dealers in Las Vegas, mechanics. 
And the guy stood up and said, that's my brother. That's my brother. Isn't that amazing? Brother Copeland picked up that in the spirit. The reason why the guy wasn't moving is because his brother was a card dealer. But card dealers are called mechanics at the, at the gambling tables in Las Vegas. Hallelujah. Oh, I felt so good when I walked out of there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Now, I can miss it. I'm human. But that's one of the reasons why I'm not too quick to voice it if I'm not completely, 100% sure it's God. Because I remember one time years ago when I had another church that Carol and I had started called Overcoming Faith Center back a long time ago. And I stood up one morning and I said, the Lord just told me, and I voiced what I thought the Lord had just told me. And the Lord interrupted me and said, I didn't say that. I said, excuse me, folks. I said, Lord, I thought that was you. He said, it wasn't me. I said, well, who was it? He said, you. That didn't come from the Holy Spirit. That's just what you thought. I said, well, what do I do now? He said, tell them it wasn't me. I said, Lord, what do they think of me if I now tell them it wasn't you? He said, they'll think highly of you for being honest. I said, folks, forgive me what I just said wasn't from the Lord. It was from me. I apologize and I give you my word. When I ever say again, thus saith the Lord, I will say it knowing that I heard the Lord accurately. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? So that's very, that's, that's, that's something very close to me. I, I don't just jump up and throw my hand up in the air. Thus saith the Lord, unless I know that I know that I know. But when I know that I know, I know. <laughs> I said, I know. Amen. Now, once again, I don't always flow in it. In this church, but that's not to say I don't flow in it. Because men that have traveled with me, Tony, Joe, they can tell you nearly all the time, everywhere we go. And I think the reason sometimes that I'm hesitant to flow in it here is because familiarity. I know some of you. I don't know everybody in this church. Some of you. I have never even met. And I, I get embarrassed sometimes when I see somebody on the road or in the street or in a store or something. Hey, Brother Jerry. I said, hey, how are you? Uh, and shake hands with him. I say, uh, where do you go to church? Uh, Heritage of Faith. <laughs> oh, really? How long have you been going there? Five years. <laughs> you know? And I've never even met. I've never even met the majority of you in here. But I'm a little hesitant because uh, you might think Justin told me beforehand. He knows most of you. Annette knows most of you. I don't. Well, Justin told him that before we went out there. And that's why I'm a little bit hesitant. However, hesitancy is a thing of the past. Amen. The Lord specifically said to me on this trip, and that's the reason why I communicated back with the office and and had them to say to 
Pastor Justin, that I wanted to do this service as well, ahead of the special service on the 19th, that I felt like I needed to share these things with you in preparation for that service. And and the Lord said, uh, take it to another level now. Take it to another level now. Hallelujah. Stretch your hands out toward me. Just pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I receive the prayers of this church in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Now, Brother Copeland said in that conversation in December, just before I went on vacation, that he would lay hands on me either during the minister's conference or perhaps the Fort Worth Believers Convention. I, I really hope he does it during the minister's conference. And, uh, but that's between him and the Lord. But he said he would lay hands on me and officially, publicly set me apart into those two offices of ministry, the prophet and the apostle. Okay. So that's important for you, this church to know. Now, as I was listening to Kenneth Hagin, Brother Hagin made a statement and I thought, I don't remember him ever saying that before, or I don't remember ever hearing him say that before. I had, I had witnessed it in my own life, but he said, it's not uncommon for God to call some people into every office of ministry. I started out as a street evangelist. That was the first office of ministry I started out in, in 1969. Nobody wanted to hear what I had to say in church. So I hit the streets of my city. And, and started as a street evangelist. Then when I moved to Fort Worth and began to work with Brother Copeland, God added the office of the teacher. I love teaching. That's one of my favorite offices. I love teaching. And, uh, and then the Lord added the office of pastor. I pastored uh, the other church that we started for a number of years. And then I merged it with Grace Temple, Harold Nichols and Harold Nichols became my pastor and, and so that I could launch out into world evangelism. I couldn't pastor a church and travel all over the world at the same time. So I pastored for a season, uh, several, about, I don't know, from, oh, it doesn't matter. But anyway, uh, a, a season I pastored and I was there every Sunday. I'd, I'd be out in meetings all over the country and fly home on Saturday night after the meeting and be in the service Sunday morning. And I did that week after week, year after year. And, uh, and then the Lord began to launch me into world evangelism. And then later, the office of the prophet was added. And then because of all the works that I've established all over the world, Bible schools, churches, orphanages, the, the office of the apostle was added to it. So I've had the privilege of functioning in every office. 
That's the reason a lot of times pastors tell me when I go preach, Brother Jerry, we like for you to come because you understand us. You pastored. I said, oh yes, hallelujah, and thank God for deliverance. <laughs> well, see, Justin loves it. That's the reason he's a pastor. And I love you so much, I let him pastor. If I was pastoring, I'd be pestering. But he's pastoring, hallelujah. Amen. And there are people that that's their calling and they know it. I'm I'm not called to be in one place. Amen. As somebody said, I love them and leave them, you know. But but my, my, my audience is the world. I preached in 46 different nations and I'm adding a bunch of new ones this year. Hallelujah. Praise God. And thank you for sharing me with the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Because that's, that's where my greatest anointings are. Amen. So I I heard brother Hagan say that. And I thought, I don't remember ever hearing him say that before, but I thought I'm not going to go in there and tell everybody I've had the privilege of functioning in every office, but I have. I've had the privilege of functioning in every office, the five-fold ministry that Paul talks about in the book of Ephesians. But the ones that the Lord specifically wants me to function in from this day forward is the ministry of the apostle, and most apostles are teachers as well. Apostle, teacher, and prophet. Amen. So that's what I intend to do. Now, with all that in mind, would you please open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? And through my introduction. And look at verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I would not have you ignorant. The message translation says, I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. And then Paul begins to talk about the nine gifts of the Spirit. Now, I'm not going to dwell on all nine of them, but I do want you to drop down to verse 7 and 8. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. So that is telling us, that every member of the body of Christ is qualified, so to speak, to be used by the Holy Spirit in one of these gifts or more. Amen. You don't have to be uh, uh, one of the five-fold ministries for these gifts to operate in your life. However, they are vitally important in the offices of prophet and apostle. Amen. Now notice in verse 8, but to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Now notice these two gifts mentioned in verse 8. That's the ones I want to focus on. The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Say those with me. The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge along with the discerning of spirits, which is another gift, they are commonly referred to as revelation gifts because they come by revelation by the Spirit of God. 
I've had times when, when ministering to people and I would recognize the spirit that was controlling that person. And I'd call that spirit by name and cast it out. That's the discerning of spirits. It's a revelation gift. And, and of course, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge are revelation gifts. They are often referred to as revelation gifts. So both of these gifts have to do with, number one, the past, the present, and the future. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. They deal with the past, the present, and the future. I I remember in a meeting that Joe and I were in, in Toronto a number of years ago. And uh, I was flowing in those gifts. And I said, there was a woman in here that uh, uh, the Lord's instructed me to lay hands on you and to cast out the spirit of fear. And I said, it's not only a spirit of fear, it's a tormenting spirit. And, and it's, it's caused many problems in your marriage. You know, and God was just getting very specific. And sometimes you're a little hesitant, you know, to get that specific. It's like Jesse DePlanis had a word one time during the Believers Convention. He said, there's somebody in here that's in the, uh, going into the ministry. And you've had the thought of murdering a pastor. I thought, wow. And Jesse said, I didn't want to say that, but the Lord told me to. He said, there's somebody in here that you're going into ministry, but you've had this, the, the thoughts and you've had to cast them down several times of murdering, killing another preacher. And one of my Bible school students raised up his hand. He was in my Bible school right then. It wasn't Justin. <laughs> it wasn't Tony. <laughs> I mean, how many of you remember Bear Morgan? It was Bear. Bear Morgan. And they called him Bear. When, when Bear came to our Bible school, he'd just gotten out of prison. 21 years of prison. Most of which were in solitary confinement. He was bad. And he got saved. And, and the girl that led him to the Lord uh, and married him asked me if she could bring him to Bible school. I thought, dear Jesus. And uh, uh, she brought him to Bible school and she said, no, brother Jerry, he's a little rough around the edges. You know? I loved it. When I met him, he was rough on every edge. Yeah, wasn't he? I mean, he didn't even know how to, he didn't even know how to eat. You put a, a knife and a fork in his hand and that was a weapon. He, he'd just eat everything with his hands. And been in prison 21 years. Just, you know, eat like a wild animal. She had to teach him how to eat. She couldn't, he could barely read or write. She had to teach him how to study and all that, you know. She said, Brother Jerry, I promise I'll help him. I'll help him get through the courses and all. And, and I remember one time uh, I was getting ready to go to the school and, and teach that morning. <clears throat> and the Lord said to me, he said, you've been teaching these students on faith. Demonstrate it this morning. I said, okay, how? He said, take your, I just bought, I just been blessed with a brand new, I think it was a 90, I want to say a 96 
Harley-Davidson classic motorcycle. And uh, he said, and I had less than 500 miles on. He said, take it to the school this morning and give it to Bear Morgan. And have all the class come outside. Do you remember this? Have all the class come outside and, and you present it to Bear in front of the class. So I, I told him that and I said, now, nah, I didn't tell him what I was going to do. I said, everybody meet me out in the parking lot. And that motorcycle was already sitting there. And they all gathered around it. And so I said, Bear, God told me to give you this bike. And you're going to use it as a tool for ministry. And he and, and Dove got on it and, and I laid my hands on them and all the student body prayed over them. And as, as, as soon as we got through, Bear was crying like a baby. Great big old guy. He had, he had tattoos from one end to the other. In fact, he believed God had started, had called him into the office of tattoo artist. I said, Bear, I can't find that in one of the five-fold. <laughs> he was tattooing chariots light on everybody, you know. And uh, anyway, Bear, when he got through crying, he looked up at me and said, Brother Jerry, this is a miracle. This is the first Harley Davidson I've ever owned that I didn't steal. <laughs> Amen. So that was a word of knowledge, see? A word of knowledge. Okay? So notice here, these two specific gifts, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. They're revelation gifts. Now, Brother Hagin said in one of his Holy Ghost meetings before he went home to be with the Lord, teaching on the subject of the gifts of the Spirit, he said the Lord had been talking to him for quite some time that these two gifts would be in greater manifestation as we continue to grow closer to the appearing of Jesus. And that it would bring many into the knowledge of the truth. Joe and I were in uh, uh, Newfoundland, Nova Scotia. And this pastor had asked me to come up there and he rented a hotel ballroom in the Holiday Inn. And we had several hundred people in that meeting. And when he turned the service to me, uh, I, I ministered what the Lord had given me to teach. And then I started flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. And boy, all kind of great things were happening. And, and of course, I'd never been there before. I didn't know one person other than the pastor. And the pastor was verifying everything that we said, that he knew those people, and this was accurate, and so forth. And then uh, we all stood up, and we were all praising God. <clears throat> And then everybody sat down, but there was one woman who was standing at the back door. Remember this, Joe? She was standing at the back door. And I pointed to her as, as, as soon as everybody sat down, I saw in the spirit. See, the spirit of seeing and knowing. I saw in the spirit that she was dying of a heart attack. I mean, heart disease. I said, lady, standing at the back door. She looked around. I said, you, standing at the back door. God is healing you of heart disease right now. Now, she had a glass in her hand, and I didn't know it at the time that that woman was not even in our meeting. There was another meeting going on next door, and they were all drinking and partying. She had a, she had a, a, a glass of alcohol in her hand, and I, she just came in to see what was going on on our side. She wasn't even in the meetings. 
And she's standing there with this glass of some kind of alcoholic beverage in her hand. And the Lord showed me her in the spirit and said, tell her I'm healing her of heart disease right now. She dropped that glass. She said, who are you? Who are you? How'd you know that? You remember that joke? I mean, God healed her and she was just absolutely beside herself. She just came in the right place at the right time. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Hallelujah. So Brother Hagin said these two gifts would be in greater manifestation as we continue to grow closer to the appearing of the Lord Jesus. He said that he was said, he was told by the Lord to begin to refer to the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge as the spirit of seeing and knowing. The spirit of seeing and knowing. Now, once again, even though Paul makes it very clear that any member of the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit can use in these gifts, but it's particularly needful in the offices of the apostle and the prophet. Can you say amen? Amen. And by the way, it's as the spirit wills. You can't make it happen. I can't make it happen. Amen. Now I can prepare myself. Amen. And be available to the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's one of the things we did this morning before coming out here. I began praying in the Spirit. And then I asked everybody in the room there, lay hands on me and let's pray in the Spirit together for this service. I can prepare myself to be used in it. But I can't turn it off and on at my will. It's as the Spirit wills. Can you say amen? amen. If God doesn't want to do anything, then God doesn't want to do anything. If he does, then I want to be sensitive to it. And if he wants to use me in it, fine. If not, you know, it's, there's, there's cases in the Bible where the God didn't even use the prophet. He used just someone in the congregation and gave them a, a, a phenomenal word that brought deliverance and victory to them. Amen. Hallelujah. One commentary, listen to this. One commentary states that these two gifts relate to, number one, strategies and insights which only God can give. The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. They they particularly deal with strategies and insights that only God could give. Now that's exactly what the prophetic word is that the Lord has given me for 2020. You remember how it came when I first began talking to you about it at the latter part of last year. I was flying to Australia with Kenneth Copeland. We're on his plane and he and I had, uh, and and the crew that was with us had just left Honolulu to refuel. And then we kept going right on to uh, Gold Coast or Brisbane, Australia. And uh, we were talking. We were just fellowshipping, talking. Brother Copeland and I get together, it's preaching back and forth. And it's, and it's reminiscing of things we've experienced over the last 50 years. And we were talking about some of those things. And then Brother Copeland said, I'm going to go back to the back of the airplane and, and lay down and take a nap. He said, if you want to do that, help yourself, and I'll be back in a little while. I said, go ahead. I, I, I've been reading some things, and I just want to keep reading for a while. And so I opened up my Bible, and I was reading some things that I'd been studying. 
And then I got a little sleepy and I just, I just pushed the seat back and laid back, closed my eyes for a moment. And I had not been in that position more than 15 seconds. All of a sudden I heard the spirit of God say in 2020, I will open a new door that will cause you to experience supernatural increase as never before. And I knew in my spirit, that was the word of the Lord for 2020. I knew it. And then of course, after that, I began uh, studying it and preparing to preach on it and so forth, which, which I am presently doing and will continue to do all year long. And until the Lord tells me to go in a different direction. So that came by knowing. Amen. And I've seen in the spirit some things since then. And particularly over the last few weeks. Oh, I'm telling you. Stay in faith. Stay close to God. Amen. Don't pay any attention to what the world says. Focus on Jesus. Focus on his word. Amen. I've experienced supernatural increase ever since I've been in the ministry. Various times. I could give you many stories of supernatural increase that, that we've experienced personally and as a ministry. But he said as never before. As never before. My goodness. If, if, if what I've experienced in the past was good, then this must be going to be gooder. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to get gooder and gooder. Amen. Now, once again, one commentary says that these two gifts relate to strategies and insights, which only God can give. Now, next Sunday, I'm going to deal specifically with a strategy that will position you for supernatural increase. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it came by the spirit of knowing and seeing. I didn't come up with it. I didn't just sit around one day and say, oh, this would be good. It's by the spirit of God, a strategy. Hallelujah. An insight. Now, the commentary went on to say, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge are given to assist God's people in continuing to go in the right direction. The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge are specifically given to help God's people continue to go in the right direction. Amen. Remember Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead and guide you into all truth and he will show you things to come. That's keeping you in the right direction. Amen. That's what the spirit of knowing and seeing is all about. Now, strategy has to do with a plan of action. A plan of action. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the plan of action. That will position us for supernatural increase. Anybody interested in supernatural increase? We're going to talk about the plan of action. Insight has to do with having clear and deep perception of of the situation. 
clear and deep perception of a situation. Now, I'm not, I'm done, I haven't covered nearly as much as I'd like to cover in this first service. And it's almost time for us to stop. I think you should stay over for the second. Amen. Amen. Let's just continue instead of starting all over again. Amen. Because I want to give you some examples from the word of how important the spirit of seeing and knowing is to the body of Christ. Amen. Giving us a plan of action and causing us to have clear and deep perception of the situations that we find ourselves in. Amen. Now, without having to get too deep into that, because I'd I'd only have time just to introduce it, not expound upon it. Let me just say this, that next Sunday, the Lord specifically instructed me to teach you on the importance of a point of contact. The importance of a point of contact. The point of contact is vital in releasing your faith. I learned this more, Roberts, years ago. Just for an example, and I'm not going to expound upon it because I don't have time. But just as an example, the little woman with the issue of blood, she said, if I but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. That was her point of contact. If I but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. In other words, she was convinced even before she approached Jesus, she just heard that he was in the village. But she said back in her own home or wherever it was at the time, she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made whole. And then she proceeded to go out in that crowd and there had to be several thousand people that were around Jesus and she has an issue of blood. Under Levitical law, she's unclean and she's not allowed to be in that crowd. They have a legal right to stone her. And the man who had the ability to issue the command was Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. And he's in this story as well. But she said, if I but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. And the Bible says she pressed her way through that crowd. And as Jesus was walking away with Jairus, because Jairus had said, my daughter's dead or my daughter's dying. She's at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her. See, that was Jairus' point of contact. The moment Jesus laid his hands on his daughter, that she would be healed. And so Jesus started walking toward Jairus' house with Jairus. But that little woman grabbed him as he's walking away and touched the hem of his garment. And stopped Jesus right in the crowd. And Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples were amazed. They said, Master, everybody's touching you. And one translation I read years ago, one commentary, Jesus stopped and said, no, I'm not talking about a human natural touch. 
I'm talking about the touch of faith. It was a touch of faith. Amen. Why? Because she said, if I can just but touch his clothes, that's when I'll let my faith go. Brother Roberts used to say, if you establish a point of contact, that's when your faith goes up to God. And he sees it. Hallelujah. So next Sunday, we are going to talk about the point of contact and how important it is for you to position yourself for supernatural increase in 2020. Lift your hands and give the Lord a good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet real quickly. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Pray in the spirit for a moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This is is very sensitive. So I'm not going to call the person forward unless you want to come forward, but it's very sensitive because I don't want to embarrass you. I went to bed last night praying in the spirit. And I don't know when I fell off to sleep, but I know I, the moment I laid down, I started praying in the spirit. And uh, when I woke up this morning, I saw a man driving home. And he'd just been made aware of a situation that he created himself. It's going to cost him financially big time. He was afraid to tell his wife about it. I could see him driving down the road saying, well, I can't tell my wife this. I don't know how she'd react to it. And once again, I'm not going to ask you to come forward because it might be embarrassing. You may still have not told your wife about it. But I heard the Spirit of God say, tell that man, tell his wife, tell her, don't hide it from her, tell her, and then get in agreement. Ask me to forgive you, ask her to forgive you, not me, the Lord. Ask her to forgive you, ask the Lord to forgive you, and he'll turn that situation around. Hallelujah. He'll turn... He'll turn what would have been a tragedy into a triumph. Glory to God. Let's lift our hands and and thank God. Hallelujah. I don't know who that is. But once again, I wouldn't say it if I didn't know that I know that I know that I heard God and I saw it in the spirit. Hallelujah. So let's just praise God and thank God that whoever that person might be, would just simply obey the Holy Spirit? And give God an opportunity to turn that situation around. 
Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. I also saw a, a, a couple here who's, and I'm not sure about this, whether it was a son or a daughter. But they've got, they've drifted off into some things that are not godly. You've been praying for them. And in the natural, it looks like the more you pray for them, the worse they get. But God has heard your prayers. I said, God has heard your prayers. And that situation is about to turn around. Amen. It's about to turn around. And that child is going to be more on fire for God than you have ever seen them in the past. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I command that deceiving spirit to come off of them right now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah. 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 Someone who's been offered a position making more money looks like it'd be the ideal job. I heard the Lord say, tell them, don't take it. Yes, it does look like a great opportunity, but it won't last. Stay where you are. I'll promote you there. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands. Let's receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, my. Oh, my. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Somebody is about to marry the wrong person. Just pray in the spirit a little longer and God will reveal to you why it's not the right person. And don't get upset and don't open the door to grief and sadness because God has something better. Someone better. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. That each and every one of us will have a greater awareness of the spirit of knowing and seeing. That we'll be more sensitive to Holy Spirit inspired strategies and plans. Be more perceptive to situations that we find ourselves in and how to get out of them if they're not from God and how to turn them into opportunities if they are for God, are from God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a good shout of praise. Amen. 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 Glory to God. If you can stay over for the second service, please do. If not, then I'll see you back here next Sunday 
but come with your faith running high. Amen. You can be dismissed.